It's episode 590 of the Locked On Texas Rangers podcast. On today's show, I have Locked On Royals host Ryland Stiles here to talk about the homecoming of Bobby Witt Jr. and this big series between the Rangers and Royals. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Rangers and Royals as a special crossover edition to preview this big, but not big, but still feels pretty big series between the Rangers and Royals. I'm your host of Locked On Rangers, Bryce Patrick, a 12-year chronically addicted, cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan. Joining me today is Rylan Stiles, host of the Locked On Royals podcast. How are you doing today, Rylan? I'm doing a lot better if the Royals could win games, but I'm doing pretty good now uh, talking to you. We did this in the spring training period whenever uh, our two teams faced off. Let's do it again now for the for the real deal. For the big deal, the real deal, we got some two real, I would say heavy hitters, but uh, right now the hitting has been anything but heavy for either of these teams. But thank you all for joining us on our heavy hitting episodes, making Locked on Royals and Locked on Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Price Paddock, follow the show at Locked on Rangers, follow Rylan at Rylan underscore Styles, and follow the show at Locked on Royals. Is it just locked? Correct. Just the basic? Bam. And subscribe on yeah, that, YouTube. That one just locked on under. I had to do Ella Thunderpod. Yeah, well, uh, I, I stole the Locked On Rangers from the uh, the Hockey Rangers, and I got some Pittsburgh fans in my mentions uh, crying about the Rangers goaltending situation. And I'm like, uh, no, wrong one. Wrong one, buddy. This, is, this, is not the, this is not the playoff Rangers. This is the other one up north, uh, or the, the original one down south. I believe they were the originals. I don't know. I don't have any idea what's going on with that hockey. It doesn't matter because we're here to talk about the two most important baseball teams on the planet right now, the Rangers and Royals. We are here in a weird season for the Royals, a kind of... They're both they're both these teams are kind of they did some things in the offseason to kind of get out of their absolute skid. They were in just the pits, the absolute pits last year. It was real rough for both these teams. They did have some fun offseason moves. One team spent a little bit more than the other. I don't want to compare and contrast. You know, one team brought in this other uh, great former player from the Royals. Actually, both of them brought in former great Royals. One of them turned out to be, and one of them turned out to be Zach Frank and Granky. How are you feeling about having Zach Greinke back on this baseball team? Because they, on, on Baseball Reference, they're using his, like, I think 2004, whenever he made his rookie debut picture, and it is glorious. Yeah, you know, having Zach Greinke back in Kansas City has been very fun just because he's a weirdo, so that's awesome. Like, if the Love team's going to suck and be just terrible, then, yeah, you might as well have some fun with it. So I, I do like having Zach Greinke out there because he does the – funky pitches sequences and he throws 50 miles an hour and uh, he works in and out of trouble. It just brings an element of watchability, which a nine win baseball team in mid to early May doesn't typically have. So it's funnier if they to watch him and then Brad Keller. And other than that, it sucks. So having Zach Grinke there is a big relief. Yeah, Brad Keller is not a guy who I knew a lot about until I started doing a little bit of my research. And you know, he's done fairly well, 31 innings so far, a sub two ERA. 
where did he come from? Is he like a homegrown guy? Is he a prospect with a lot of, you know, renowned? Is, or has he just kind of been a surprise for y'all? Yeah, so Brad Keller is a Rule 5 uh, guy for the Royals. He was originally drafted by the Diamondbacks uh, and then was, of course, taken by the Royals in the Rule 5 draft back in 2018. He stuck around on the roster for a really good season there. Uh, and then he had a great season in 2020 in the kind of pandemic weird season where he had a sub-3 ERA. And then last year lost some of it, just didn't have that edge that you look for from uh, your starting pitcher. And then this year he's bounced back as a sub-2 ERA and just is pitching with a demeanor that no other Royals pitching with right now, like a, a cockiness, a swagger. And plus he's just pumping fastballs and has a, has a great breaking ball as well. So Brad Keller has been awesome. A, a great find diamond in the rough wise. I mean, you're not going to find very many Rule five draft picks that last five years and are pretty productive for most of those years outside of uh, one, maybe two of those years were not productive, but really just one in 2021 was not productive. The night 2019 was pretty productive still with a sub five ERA. So again, one of the best rule five draft picks for the Royals. Uh, and of course uh, they got cashed in on that, even as their other pitching prospects have failed out that they've actually drafted in the amateur draft. Well, you know, pitching wise has been the only upside because looking up and down this, this lineup, it's been pretty rough. What has been, has there been any offensive bright spot for the Royals this year? Cause I mean, looking at Salvador Perez sub six fifty OPS, like, You've got multiple players with a sub 300 or sub 400 OPS in like the starting lineup of Whit Merrifield and well Adalberto Mondesi is is hurt and Carlos Santana is hurt as well. Like what what has been going on with his offense? Have you scored any runs at all? It certainly does not feel like we've scored any runs at all in Kansas City. But Andrew Benintendi's been awesome still. This is the second straight year he's been great. Uh, not great considering that he's an upcoming free agent and the Royals have given him really no reason to sign back in Kansas city on top of being a cheaper organization. They are a losing organization. And for a guy who is a rookie of the year winner and a world series winner and a gold glove winner, actually it won rookie of the year, but he was came close in rookie of the year voting uh, number two in his uh, 2017 season, but still won a world series and uh, all that good stuff and gold glove winner last year. You know, there's a ton of reasons to leave if you're Andrew Benatendi, uh, And that's not great considering you have a, a top prospect in Khalil Lee to get, two years have been attendee both years in which you're going to finish in the bottom of the division and have no real hope for the future. Uh, but in general, watching him play has been fun. It's just a matter of how kind of numbered his days are. And then at the risk of spoiling our next uh, segment, Bobby Witt Jr. has been awesome. I mean, he started out very slow. And I think that that's kind of put him under the radar by most fans, you know, in sense of uh, kind of dismissing him after a slow start, but from games 11 to 25, which catches us up, catches us up to today, he's batting 298, uh, Batting average with a 333 OBP and a 404 slugging. Uh, he has his first career home run in this, in this second uh, sequence of games and uh, four RBIs in these 15 games. So these last 15 games have been awesome for him. Uh, and so hopefully that continues for his homecoming. Yeah, this is a, a great time for, for him to come home because he is absolutely feeling it. Maybe he was saving his hot stuff until he came home. He is a Colleyville Heritage High School native. For those of you in the DFW area who know what that is. For those of you who don't, it's actually pretty darn close to Arlington. So like, it's literally like right there, right close to home. And his, his dad is a former Texas Rangers legend. Um, former, I, I believe, I believe his dad was the number two overall pick and Bobby was the number one overall pick. If I'm remembering that correctly, maybe I have that inversed. Um, but Bobby Wood Jr. is one of the most impressive prospects I have ever laid my eyes on. And uh, I can't help but root for that kid. Cause I mean, 
the one the one of the several years that the Rangers were not absolutely terrible in the last like five, even though it's felt like they've been absolutely terrible for the last like five years. That was when Bobby Witt Jr. happened to be a top guy. But you know the Rangers didn't go get Jordan Lawler, so it's not like they're going to get the other. Actually, if if they had a top pick, you know the number two row pick in that draft or the number one overall pick, I think they would have picked Bobby Witt Jr. at that point. But we're going to get into a little bit what's going on with the Rangers when Bobby Witt comes home to Arlington and Texas. But first, let me talk to you about our sponsors. This week's sponsor, this episode's sponsor, is Bet Online. It's BetOnline.net. You guys know about BetOnline.net. It's the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Also, thank you all for making Locked On Rangers and Locked On Royals your first listen every single day. Now make Locked On Now your second listen. They've got recaps and MLB games with analysis from our local experts, including us and every other person here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Taking fans through the season like no other network is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, what are you thinking about these Rangers? What are some of the things that you have you curious about this Texas Rangers team, which not a lot of people think of outside of the state of Texas because they haven't exactly been super-duper noteworthy to start the season so far? Well, as I'm sure that your audience can understand, baseball is a grueling sport and a grindy sport, so it's very difficult to watch an entire marathon of a 162-game season for one team, much less multiple teams. So with other teams, you're just kind of holding on to podcasts and uh, clippings and social media buzz and things like that. One thing that's caught my attention to start things off with the Rangers as, as they're 11 and you know 16 and fourth place of the West is the fact that you made the trade for Mitch Garver, which I thought was going to be incredible for uh, the Rangers. But I'm hearing more about a backup catcher that uh, fans are really liking and has hot, off to a hot start. So what's the situation with the catching position in Texas? Well, I need to actually look something up real quick because we just got some news about that. Jonah Heim has been the backup catcher. There was like a, a real question about who was going to be the backup catcher. Um, but Mitch Garver is only caught the first game of the Sunday doubleheader. And turns out he had a flexor strain. Sam Huff, one of the Rangers' top pro- catching prospects, I guess their only top catching prospect really, is being called up from uh, AAA. Is a flexor in his right forearm, not a UCL. So, a little less concern there. But, uh, yeah, according to Baseball Reference 4, Jonah Heim has been the best player on the Texas Rangers this season. There was a question of whether it's going to be him or Harley Trevino. Heim had some power. Rangers have some new hitting coaches, and they have done an absolute number on him. And he has been the poster child for their new offensive revolution, where other places it really has not manifested itself as much as we would like in the first month. Well, that clears up the character situation. Now, I do play MLB The Show on PS5. I don't know if you uh, dabble in the show, but I there's do. a game mode, Diamond Dynasty, where you're pulling mm-hmm. diamond cards and everything. One diamond card I got was Marcus Simeon. I need you to help me out here. The stake of my stubs is in your hands right now. Well, Marcus Simeon off to a slow start a bit. Is he worth keeping? Or do you think his overall is going to go down based on poor play? And needs to be sold off. So, what kind of what's your vibe right now on Marcus Simeon? Are these numbers just a result of bad luck, or is it a little worrisome right now after shelling out that big contract? Uh, it's a little worrisome. I mean, his his advanced numbers you look into, it, he's not getting particularly unlucky. He's 
He's not been a particularly fast starter in his career overall for the month of April and May. Usually he's been a little bit of a slow starter. Last year was the outlier when he had his best career season. Um, but this has been a guy who is like, you know, the picture of like bet on yourself, bet on yourself in every situation. He played for, you know, Chicago and then he got traded to <laughs> Oakland where he played for a long time and he loved Oakland. He grew up in Oakland. He went to Cal. Like he freaking loved it there and they gave him an absolute you know, donkey of a contract offer after one bad year after finishing top three in MVP voting in 2020, which, like, again, who the heck didn't have an off year in 2020? Then he goes and takes a huge bet on himself deal with Toronto, has the best season any second baseman's pretty much ever had in baseball, you know, sets record for most home runs, the primary second baseman wins a gold glove, silver slugger, like, incredible season. And then finally gets the you proved it deal and gets to go to somewhere nice where he gets to play in, like, one ballpark in one country for one team for a whole season that doesn't have, uh, so far as I know, sewage leaking out of the ground like Oakland did. But, like, it, it's been it's been a weird place because he's never really been the, the guy on any team that he's been on. But this is pretty much his team. He's supposed to be the vocal leader. I mean, Corey Seager is the highest-paid player, but, like, I don't know. I'm confident that he'll turn around. He's had a couple of multi-hit games. He's not looking completely out of sorts. It's just not quite there yet. I think part of the, the baseball being absolutely dead and buried is hurting him quite a bit because his exit velocity, he's not putting up like Joey Gallo power numbers. Like I mean, He hits more home runs than Joey Gallo or has in a couple of the last years, but he's not hitting the baseball quite as hard, and so he needs the ball to be you know like a normal baseball and not just die in midair, and I think that's been hurting him a little bit. But, you know, he's still getting his feet out under him. Like, it's still a whole new weird situation. Short and spring training, yada, yada, yada. Basically, I say hold on to the card. Because if you sell it now and he starts going off like we all know that he can, then you're going to feel real dumb. I don't want you to feel dumb. That's true. I don't want to feel dumb either. Now, coming from the NBA side of things, hosting Locked on Thunder, being around that league, I love the drama. I love it. I feast off the drama. Drama's around the corner in the NBA. Yeah, you can't go a second without drama in the NBA. And baseball has a hint of drama that I want more people to pay attention to, even though it's not as big as what can happen in the NBA. No shots fired there, but shots fired there. <laughs> Willie Calhoun. I remember whenever he got called up. Living in Oklahoma, you know, it's it still a big deal. Rangers country down here in southwest of Oklahoma. I remember when he got called up how important it was. Demanding a trade in baseball is kind of unheard of publicly uh, for the most part. What is, what's the deal with Willie Calhoun? Is he worth, is he the caliber of player that should be demanding a trade? And how much of this is the Rangers fault from their mishandlement of him? And how much of it is, look, dude, you just haven't played well. Like who are you to demand a trade? You haven't played well. The thing is, oh, man, uh, if you, if you want my full take on this, go listen to last Monday's episode, the last, the final segment, that is the, the fieriest I've been and the most critical I've been of this front office who gets a lot of criticism. I think a lot more times than they should, um, for things that just didn't go their way. They were smart decisions at the time. But, uh, the thing that with Willie Cahoon is first off, he's the, mo- he's the unluckiest man in major league baseball the last five years, like bar none. This guy is an incredibly talented hitter and the Rangers have also done him a little dirty. Every time that he has been on the verge of breaking out, 2019 was his big year, and he had a hamstring injury. He was fantastic when he was there. He had a really great series against the Royals. That's like his big 
breakout year was like that was like that series and he kind of established himself on the map but every time he's been close like in 2020 he got hit in the face with a baseball and uh it was just awful absolutely awful was out for months was thought he was gonna be ready for the you know delayed opening day because you know we had a 60 game season started in august or whenever the heck it started I i don't know but then he has another injury and uh, has a hamstring injury and is limited that season. And then he gets hit in the forearm the next year, breaks the arm. He just needs to stop getting hit with baseballs. And this year, the Rangers brought in this, this new offensive crew. Um, they run the hitting coach from San Francisco who, you know, resurrected from the dead some completely washed bats. They also brought in Boston's hitting coach. And so they thought, okay, we got like two of the best hitting coaches from the two of the best offenses in baseball the last couple of years. Surely that will help some things. And the offense has not been that great. They tried to make Willie Calhoun, one of some of his frustration was they tried to make him a different hitter than he was. But you look at some of his advanced numbers, he was, you know, he is always going to be a little bit more of that pull line drive hitter, but he can be a 300 hitter with like a 380, three, like 400 on base. And he was, you know, one of the best in the league at not swinging, not expanding the zone, not swinging and missing and walking. Like he was elite at those. The power numbers were there, the exit velos were great, but he was just getting unlucky. And the Rangers had several other players on their roster that were also performing very poorly, but that were just old and they couldn't just send out. Like Cole Calhoun, who has been bad. He has been bad offensively. He had his first home run and, you know, his exit velos were nice or whatever, but he's striking out significantly more. He's walking. Cole Calhoun has 18 strikeouts, two walks. Willie Calhoun, still at this point through his 18 games, They've played the big league level, has eight walks to six strikeouts. Like, their numbers were very comparable. Willie's were significantly better. I mean, Nick Solak has been a guy who is up and has not done all that much either. But they know, you know, they're like, oh, well, Willie can't play defense. He plays defense, okay, fine in left field. Nick Solak is not good defensively. Brad Miller is not good defensively. Neither of them are hitting particularly well. Like, it was just incredibly frustrating to see, like, them make excuses for other players. But this guy you could see it and you'd seen it for years that he's got that potential to be an absolute offensive juggernaut but just thing bad things keep happening to him and this time it was the rangers own freaking fault for sending him down when they absolutely did not need to and it is just beyond frustrating they treated him like this and uh yeah it was it was not in like the post game scrum it was an exclusive from the athletic uh levi weaver who was the one who got the scoop on this and you know, he reached out right at a emotional time and really reacted emotionally. And I, I think that it might be done here. His time might be done here. I hope it's not. I hope that they can just freaking call him back up and realize, oh, we made a mistake. We treated you badly. We tried to make you someone that you're not. And life can move on. But it might just be that he needs a change of scenery, which sucks because I think he's going to absolutely crush it wherever he goes next. But yeah, there was a lot of drama there. And it didn't need to be drama, and it just pissed me off because even when he was playing, they kept, you know, platooning him. Like his left and right splits were something crazy. It, it just it's such a frustrating situation to watch go down. And there was a lot of drama that did not need to be as dramatic as it was. Coming up, let's talk about the pitching side for Texas. Is there a path for better pitching and how we think our teams are gonna end this season? But I'll tell you right now, but our good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right, 20 years ago. You could have been going to rockauto.com for all the auto parts that you need. Yeah, the internet back years then? ago. 
you probably couldn't even get on the internet and, and send an email back then. Listen, Bryce, my favorite part about rockout.com is that I know nothing about cars. And that insane. sounds weird. It's insane, right? I love an auto part site and know nothing about cars. It's because I don't have to know anything about cars. All I got to know is my make, my model, my year, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. And best of all, they don't know that I know nothing. So they're going to give me that same fair, reliably low price that they're going to give anybody else uh, as they would a mechanic or a do-it-yourselfer or, like me, a nobody newbie. So that's different than if you go to a store, if an actual physical store. They're going to see me walk in there and say, look at this schlup. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to charge them $100 for a windshield wiper. And, that's just, and I'll just say, okay, just take my money, sir. Sorry. Sorry to bother you. And I'll move on. <laughs> so go to rockauto.com. Find all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices of the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Well, yeah, uh, I didn't. Any, anytime you get me on my Willy, my my Willy rant, my my two boys who I will uh, apparently Willy has ascended into the ranks of the Joey Gal, and that it will get me on a five minute rage rage rant without even realizing how long I'm talking. But uh, yeah, no. How old is Joey Gallo's uh, year in New York, by the way? Uh, you know, I'm I'm not talking about it, but he's a free agent at the end of the season, and I'm still holding out my like three percent hope that he he thinks about coming home. Um, and the Rangers are nice to him this time and give him the amount of money that he deserves and uh, needs. But well, if he if he continues to play this bad, he might consider going home to uh, whoever owns the Las Vegas AAA team. Uh, you mean the uh, eventual uh, uh, Vegas A's? Sorry, Jason. Sorry, Jason. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I don't want them to go because I love Oakland and I love them being there and their weirdness. But you know, expansion team. Once you get the Nashville in there, then you then you can put your your uh, Vegas A's. And uh, when Joey Gal has finished uh, with his ten straight World Series titles with the Texas Rangers, then he can go play one season in his hometown of Vegas and go retire there. But that, actually, this Rangers pitching staff, I I still haven't seen the update on John Gray. I th- allegedly, we were supposed to get one today, and I have not seen it yet. Um, let's see. Okay, Chris Woodward did say that he was more conf- uh, Chris Woodward said, quote, he is more confident today than I was yesterday, end quote, that John Gray will make his next start. Gray has made four starts now, had two IL trips. We're hoping that it's only, he can make it five starts with two IL trips. No, no more IL trips. Um, he had a blister. He had a knee thing. He had to come out of the last game because of knee injury early. But Dane Dunning and Martin Perez have been really dang good at the top of this range rotation. And Brock Burke might be the best reliever in baseball that nobody really knows about. Now, I got to ask the burning question because, you know, that my life as a nine-win baseball team on May 10th <sighs> is all about prospects. Uh-huh. When are we going to see Lider come up? Uh, Eventually. Eventually you will see him come Hopefully. up. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean... There was, at, am I most hopeful beginning of this year? And I have seen him in person, and oh my God, it is beautiful. If you get a chance, if you're in Oklahoma or Kansas City or at anywhere across the freaking country, and you can go see Jack Leiter pitch in a baseball game, uh, you get your butt to that baseball game because the guy's pretty electric. Like it's just absolutely disgusting stuff. The walks have been a bit of concern for him so far, and uh, he just is coming off of his best start. Of his uh, minor league career, six innings, I believe, and struck out several and just was very good. It was very good. I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but was was very good. But I, I'm a little concerned about the walk numbers. He'll get those down. He is going to be really quick through the system. Honestly, the most polished college p- 
pitcher coming out into the draft since David Price. Like, he is that level of stuff. And if they threw him in a major league game tomorrow, he probably he might get knocked around, even if he played against the Royals. Like, he might get knocked around. But it wouldn't rattle him. He is just so put together. Like, it is incredibly impressive. It's a lot of fine-tuning and tinkering. Needs to work on that third and fourth pitch a little bit more. But, you know, fastball, curveball, slider. Honestly, it's kind of a question right now if the curveball or the slider is the number two pitch because they're both really doing good. And we all know that fastball is just disgusting. But long story short, I think there is some scenario if he really turns things around that by the very end of the year he can make like one or two starts. But I think next year, either, you know, coming out of spring training or like midseason might be more likely. But I think the next Rangers starting pitcher to be called up might be Cole Wynn. We'll see. We'll see. He had a bad last start in Vegas because, you know, Vegas, that's it. Even if you're a good pitcher, like, balls get hit out of there real hard. So, I don't know. But yeah, that's when you see Jack Leiter. Both teams right now, albeit one has double digit wins and one doesn't are in fourth place of their respective divisions. Is this where Texas is going to finish, in fourth place? You know what? I think so. And I think I'm totally all right with it. That was my goal. Don't be at the bottom of the division. And for a while, when the A's, for like a week, were leading the AL West, and everything seemed completely upside down, I was like, oh, God. Rangers are going to finish fifth in the AL West, aren't they? But no, the, the A's have found their collapse. Um, I don't think they're going to be crawling out of that hole anytime soon. I don't know how long the Angels are going to stay on top of the division. Hopefully, um, just somebody who's not the Astros stays on top of it at the end. That's really all that matters. I don't think they're going to be better than the Mariners. I don't think the Astros' bottom is going to fall out. I think they're still a really good team, as much as it pains me to say. But yeah, um, do you think that the Royals are going to stay? Hold on. Hold on a second. I'm just now looking at this AL Central, and the Chicago White Sox are in the middle of it? What? Yeah, it's been a Did messy. Did you do that? Did it's you been do a that? Messy Central Division. Yes, messy Central Division. Uh, honestly, I don't have faith in the Royals staying for. I think that they're going to fall to the seller eventually. I just believe more in the Tigers, both in a managerial standpoint, a lineup standpoint, a pitching standpoint, a farm system standpoint, a developmental standpoint. I think that the Tigers and Royals both have had a terrible start to the season, and the Tigers haven't scored in like 24 innings. But uh, still, they did I think score today. They did score against. Oh, they the did A's. score today. Okay, so then there you go. Their, their official account tweeted it. Breaking news: We scored a run. <laughs> there we go. So they broke the streak. They're going to start turning things around here. The Royals just suck, and the, and this rebuild's been a failure, and it will continue to be a failure till they have to just uh, you know restart from scratch because none of the pitching prospects are good at all. Uh, no one's hitting the ball. What Merrifield sucks now. Uh, he's obviously uh, an obvious regression and you didn't trade him whenever you should have. So I think there was finished fifth place in the, in the central, maybe they have their classic run in August where they play really well. And then they go, Oh, look, fans were getting close. And then they of course suck the next year. Of course, obviously, uh, even while winning a world series and going to two, uh, they have the worst record in the major league baseball entire system since 2000 <laughs> worst record in the MLB since 2000 while going to the world series and winning one. Uh, hey, uh, you you won one. I I will point that out. That uh, as a Rangers fan who has lost in some excruciating ways, very excruciating ways for some very good teams. Um, what I wouldn't give for the Rangers to have won it all. Someone said, ah, oh, you know, this Rangers fan said, you know what? If the Rangers 
like just one at all, like you could pack up the team and move them to Iowa, and I would be happy. I could move on with my life. I could be done. I could wash my hands of this. I could be free of this mess and this madness. And uh, I don't know if I completely agree, but a, a, a large, a not insignificant part of me agrees with that. Just like you know what, we want it. Suck it. You didn't suck it. Yeah, I, I think that the World Series, of course, is nice. Going to two is awesome. Uh, I'll take those two playoff appearances in my entire lifetime uh, and treasure them forever. They're, hey, whenever they go to the playoffs in my lifetime, they go to the World Series. So uh, not many people can say that. Of course, that leaves out a lot of context. But still, uh, two playoff appearances in 40 years is great. I, I think that we should all strive for that. <laughs> well, hey, I appreciate you. You're like the Marlins. Like, you know, when, when you do it, you do it big. And, like, you got to respect that. Like, that is some... Some big Texas energy, and maybe Bobby Witt Jr. will bring some of that to him. They don't have the junior listed on his his baby. I noticed page, that. Yeah, it's which, weird. Um, is he just is he going to go by like Robert Witt or something like that? Like I don't I don't know. Yeah, that's I'm very kind of... weird. I noticed that too. Oh, he was the second round pick, a second overall pick. Yeah, second overall. To. Okay, all right. So it was his dad who I believe was first, one of the Rangers' only first overall picks, and one of the ones that they didn't ruin, like David Clyde. Ugh, the day that will not be spoken, that the Rangers will hopefully not do to Jack Leiter, turning it into a little bit more of a pariah than they needed to. But what are you looking for? Like, because I mean, we're both experts of, of covering bad baseball teams, watching a lot of bad baseball. What is What are you looking for to have some kind of hope in any kind of future in this Royals? Because, like, I'm with you. I, I, I'm seeing what you're seeing. It's, it's looking kind of rough. And is the cliche cop-out answer it's just, Bobby Witt, give me something to look at. Yeah, I mean, it. it's so frustrating because this is year five of the rebuild, and, and it should not look this rough in year five, uh, especially as you no. have Dayton Moore prancing around the media and, and feeding anybody who will listen. They're going to start winning this year, and then <sighs> you get to this year, and they're not winning, and he says, oh, we're going to win next year. Uh, yeah, if you're winning nine games in, on May 10th, you're not ready to win next year. If baseball doesn't work that way. You might get a five-game improvement. You're not going to get a 50-game improvement. Uh, so – Really, it's just Bobby Witt Jr. And honestly, that's it. Not to even have the copy answer, but because we've already seen all these young pitchers that they drafted. We've seen Brady Singer. Sucks. We've seen Chris Bubich. Sucks. We've seen Jackson Coar. Sucks. We haven't seen Ace Lacey because he sucks so bad, nobody's even heard of him since he's been drafted. Everybody sucks. I mean, what are you going to do? Wood Merrifield. Regression. Sucks. Mondesi. Can't stay out of the tub. And when he is on the field, he sucks. What is there to look at? Carlos Santana's 50 years old. Man, this is rough. Like, I mean, you have Michael A. Taylor. Like, I I think of, like, some of these young guys. And none of them are young. But Merrifield, 33 years old. Hunter Dozier, 30. Michael A. Taylor, 31. Andrew Benintendi, 27. Like, there's no youth. It's not like, oh, we got these young kids. We're trying to, like, play up. It's Bobby Witt Jr. That's it. That's really it. Man, that's they a rough call place up Jim Melendez. That'll be fun. They're going to eventually have to call up Nick Prada. You'd imagine, although imagine. they're in love with playing this fifty-year-old Carlos Santana at first, whenever he's healthy. You know, but those are three guys. You've spent five years rebuilding. You've got three guys. That's this is an unmitigated failure by Dayton Moore, who gets these extreme passes for being a nice guy and paying the minor leaguers and doing the bare minimum of humanity. He gets a he gets a huge pass. And yes, he won a World Series, but. You know, that's oftentimes like, luck. Let's look at those. Let's look at those playoff runs, folks. Neither one of those should have happened. You should have lost the wild card game in 2014. You did lose the World Series in 2014. 2015, you should have lost this, the divisional round. 
You should have lost the uh, ALCS. You should have lost the World Series if Lucas Duda can make a throw from first base to home as a major leaguer. Uh, he won a World Series. That's all fine and dandy. Neither one of those should have happened. So let's continue to give him a pass for that because he banned porn from the clubhouse and <laughs> he and he pays the minor leaguers a, li- a living wage. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Man, it's looking like even if I, my Ranger did win a World Series and things went to the tank, maybe maybe I wouldn't be as happy as as I would if they just moved the team to Iowa. But, you know, we've got some baseball here. We've got an actual baseball season, which I'm grateful for, even if my team, like your team, ends up sucking really badly this year and has a failure of a rebuild. You know, at least we still have some baseball to look on during this very, very Yeah, it's long very fun summer. watching the other teams, I'll have to admit. <laughs> I do like baseball, but yeah, it it is fun to turn on the the other team, turn on another team. Like, oh, well, that's what a good baseball player looks like. Okay, and Corey Seager has provided me some glimpses of that. Like, oh yeah, that's what it's supposed to look like. That's pretty neat. And Martin Perez coming back and being much better. Also, um, I don't know if you know this, but it's Martin Perez because us Rangers fans, for the first like six years of his career, pronounced his freaking name wrong, and he comes back. He's like, hey guys pretty embarrassing and i have probably messed it up several times on my podcast even while mentioning that so um you know preemptive i guess postemptive whatever apologies to martin perez and preemptive for the ones that i will screw up in the future but rylan i am very much looking forward to this series i'm very much hoping that bobby witt jr turns out to be as amazing as we all thought he would be and gives you some kind of baseballing joy because you very very much deserve it Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Rangers and Locked On Royals. Thank you all for making it your first listen every single day. Now make your second listen. Locked On MLB, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please just, just call him Sully. He gives us his unique, his unique perspective on the Major League's past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Thanks, y'all, so much for listening. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball. <laughs>